Hello, hello. It's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Thank you guys for coming back for another episode. I am so excited to share my conversation with Sheena. She is the founder, the brains, and the ambition behind Kosis, which, as you guys know, is one of my favorite beauty lines. And I think for the longest time when it came to clean, I'm putting clean in quotes because we know clean is not defined, but a beauty brand that had ingredients that were also good for your skin in terms of color cosmetics, all of the kind of natural beauty brands were not giving me what I needed in terms of color payoff and pigment, especially as a woman with dark skin. So enter Kosis. And I was just like, wow, this is what I've been looking for. And I've been following the brand for a long time. And I was just so excited to have Sheena on. So you guys are going to love this conversation. We also get into some more difficult discussions around what she's doing as a leader to amplify Black voices, but also making sure that her shade ranges are inclusive. I love asking my non-Black guests what they are doing to elevate BIPOC women, BIPOC customers, because I think that's just really important and something that you know we need to keep companies accountable for. Enjoy this episode. I hope you guys are enjoying spring. I feel like the weather is changing. People are getting vaccinated. I feel like we're turning a new leaf. I love New York City in the spring. We've got some of our cherry blossoms blooming. The weather's just beautiful. I've been going on longer walks and everything's just been so nice. So I hope you guys are feeling this renewed spring energy. All right, without further ado, let's get into our episode. And don't forget to stay tuned at the end of the episode for a listener question. If you guys have questions that you want me to answer, please email me at nakedbeautypodcast at gmail.com and put in the subject line beauty question. That's really helpful for me to sort through all of my emails. I've been loving all of the questions I've been getting. So I appreciate you guys sending those in. Follow at Naked Beauty Planet. That's the community. And I'm at Brooke DeVard on all platforms. All right, let's get into it. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Thank you, Sheena, so much for being on Naked Beauty. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that you're here. And I am just such a huge fan of your brand of Kosis. I'm like, I talk about the concealer on this podcast nonstop. Everyone who buys it, per my recommendation, is so happy with it. I'm obsessed with your blush. I'm wearing it now. This is, I think, the Papaya 1972. It looks gorgeous. Um, obsessed. The liquid eye. Like, I just, I love your products. So I'm Your just- glow is incredible. Thank you. Thank you. But I, I really and truly love your brand. And I don't, there aren't a lot of brands that I like am obsessed with, but yours is one of them. So I'm like very excited that you're here. That means a huge amount coming from you. So thank you so much. Oh, of course. Okay. So we have to get into your childhood because here on Naked Beauty, we want to know like what got you into beauty growing up. So you're from Orange County, right? The suburbs. The absolute like small part of Orange County too. I'm from North Orange County from a very small town called Anaheim Hills. Okay. And your mom was into beauty, right? She was like a Clarence rep. She worked at the, my mom worked at the mall. She worked at the beauty counter. That was like a common job for her crew. Okay. Amazing. But she, she was from Iran, right? Yes. My mom and dad both are from Iran. They both immigrated to the U S when they were college students. So they were in college in the seventies. And they came to go to school here. Like kind of, they were exchange students. They were meant to come to the U S to do some college and then go back home. But while they were here, the revolution happened in Iran. So they got stuck. 
Well, yeah, I know the 70s was a very like tumultuous time. So they were planning on being here for a short time and then they ended up permanent residents. Yes. And then you came into the picture. I did. I came into the picture. I was born in Texas. That's where they both lived. They met here. They didn't meet in Iran. They met here in, oh. uh, as college students. Yeah. That's so interesting. So, okay. So you're growing up as the child of Iranian immigrants in the suburbs of Orange County. What was your relationship to beauty growing up? I was surrounded by makeup because my mom worked in makeup in that like she worked at the mall. So like, I mean, the, you know, the big thing for them was bringing home makeup from, and she, and she was friends with all the other women who worked at the different counters too. So, you know, those were her peers and they would all trade makeup and she would come home and she had, a, we had a ton, an absolute ton. I thought that was normal for us to have that much. So I, I had no concept of a makeup. I don't think my mom had a makeup a bag. Like she would, you know, they were, it was part of the gift, the purchase thing, but it was one drawer dedicated entirely to lip liners, one drawer, just eyeshadows, one drawer of just lipsticks and so on and so forth. So there was a lot of it. So my, I had a lot of opportunity and exposure. And I think that was one part of it. It was there. Right. The other part of it was that I was drawn to it for reasons that I can't fully explain, but I think because it like has that similar quality to, you know, like there's a lot of possibility in makeup. It looks like art materials. It looks like paints. It looks like colored pencils. And there's such a draw because we're, we're just naturally creative. And so I was super drawn to the makeup and that's what we had for me to play with. Those are my toys. I love that. And you yourself are a beautiful woman. Did you feel beautiful growing up? No, not at all. Not absolutely at all. Why is that? I mean, I was a child, like I've learned how to work with, you know, different parts of my looks than like, I've, I feel like I have so much more ability to like affect it. But as a child, I don't remember ever feeling beautiful. I was a tomboy always. So I wore like big baggy t-shirts that were usually like some kind of like free shirt that my dad brought home <laughs> from work. <laughs> and I was just dirty all the time. I played outside and and I was like very quiet as a child. I didn't, I wasn't super social. I had a couple really close friends, but I spent a lot of time outside by myself. Interesting. So like if someone told your middle school class, like Sheena's going to have this beauty empire when she grows up, people would be like, that's so random. They would be like, we've never heard her speak. So <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> that's interesting though, that you're shy, but you're also like such a boss. Do you feel like it's something you've grown out of, or do you just have like tips or ways that you've been able to overcome being shy or feeling more reserved? I have experienced some challenges that have led me down paths of doing a lot of work on myself and spending a lot of time in therapy and spending a lot of time developing a stronger sense of identity and self. And I think that's really helped really developing philosophies around like my spiritual practices and things that I believe in my day-to-day -day living too. I think that's like a very important feeling of agency for me. And so I think through all of that work and, you know, I'm a work in progress, of course, I have gotten here and really through a deep love of makeup. I love makeup. I mean, just before I got on with you right now, I was doing my favorite part of my job. The one part that I don't feel like I get to do enough of, which is making makeup. Like that's what I want to focus on all the time. And when I do that, I feel like moved by it. I love it. I deeply love it. And in order to do what I love, I have to do some things that I don't love as much. And that's how you kind of overcome it. Yeah. Well, I think definitely you're living your purpose. And by the time you were in college, you kind of discovered organic chemistry, but also fine art, right? So yeah. did you know you were going to combine those two things to develop products? I did not have that foresight. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't know that those two things were going to be combined. I knew I had a love of color and art. I knew I was doing science because that's what I, that's what, where my career was headed. But at the time that I was in college, I was studying science. I was going to apply to medical school. Like that's what I was going to do. That was part of my security and safety values that came from my family. And then after that, there was a dream inside of me and it felt totally like a pipe dream. Like I didn't actually think it was going to happen that I wanted to have a beauty brand. I had a point of view on making makeup and I wanted to make it so badly. And eventually those things all came together, but it wasn't planned. 
That's so interesting. So did you, did you have other jobs along the way that kind of prepared you for starting Kosis? I think the jobs along the way, I mean, everything, every experience that I've had definitely has impacted where I am today. Every single interaction I've had, bad and good. But I think the jobs that really stand out to me as important in the path to Kosis were the ones where I worked on a bench as like a bench chemist or a bench scientist, because I think that it's there that I really developed like that comfort in the world of being able to speak to science scientists. And we still formulate everything in-house. And that's like a very rare and unique thing so for rare. a brand of our size. Yeah. It's super. And it's, I mean, that's where I, what I truly love to do because really being able to like affect a formula on every level, what's in it, the way it feels, the way it goes on, the way it wears and like to be able to affect it in real time is such a blessing. And uh, those jobs prepared me for being able to speak that language. Well, we're definitely going to get into some of my products and how they were formulated because some of these products are like nothing I've ever tried before. But before we do that, you won Indie Beauty Brand of the Year. What year was it that you won? It was 2019, December of 2019. Last thing before COVID. Before COVID, I know until before the world closed down. But there is a picture of you hugging Dame Pat McGrath. And I just, oh my God. I just need to know <laughs> what it was like meeting Her Royal Highness. It's so funny because like, I never get that way. You know, like you live in, I live in LA. So, and I see people and I never, I've never done this before. And, and it was just her, I was in the room with her and, uh, you know, many other beauty legends, by the way, but like, she's different. Uh, she's different. I mean, she is, she is like a master. I'll never forget this video of her doing a smoky eye with her eyes closed. Like I think about that all the time. They were like challenge Pat McGrath, do like close your eyes and do a smoky eye, black eyeshadow. Wow. I mean, how with your eyes closed and it was perfect. It was like better than perfect. And so I saw her and I like actually had like a a literal like child moment. Like I was like, Oh my God, can I take a picture with you? And she was so sweet. And she took a picture with me and I posted it on Instagram, even though I never post anything on Instagram. That's a moment. That's like, that deserves to be on the feed. That's like too good to not share. (laughs) It was so exciting. But she also has kind of like an arts background as well. Like, I feel like the the people that are really like ahead of the curve and doing really innovative, interesting things in beauty, like you, like Pat McGrath, their backgrounds are always much deeper than like, oh, I was a makeup artist for a few years. It's like, there's, there's like this like love and lifelong passion that really comes through in the work. So that's really cool that you got to meet her. Yeah. Maybe that's why I'm so drawn to her. I didn't know she had an arts background, but I will, I'm going to look into that. Yeah, she definitely does. Okay. I do want to like just stop for a second and talk about the products because okay. I'm obsessed. Um, let's do it. Let's just start with my favorite, which is the concealer, the under eye. The, what's, what is the name for the concealer? Because I never, I'm so bad with names. It's actually called Revealer Concealer. Revealer Concealer. Okay. What, yeah. Why that name? And can you just tell me a little bit about formulating it? Because I was a NARS creamy radiant concealer girl for the longest. And then I switched. I think I was telling you this now. I don't even wear foundation anymore. I just do your concealer like under my eyes, like on my forehead and around my mouth. And that's like, my skin looks so good when I do that. So how did you develop this product? Such a fun question. And I'm going to try to go back in my memory and tell you a a little bit about this because it was like, it was planned, but it wasn't. And there was a lot of alchemy involved is like how I can describe it. First of all, the name is Revealer. I didn't like the word concealer. Like that's not where I'm coming from Mm. when I want to do my makeup at all. I don't, on many levels, you know, like I don't like the idea of feeling like there's something so wrong that I need to hide my whole face. I don't really like the look of totally erasing all the dimension in my face and then adding it back in one layer at a time. It doesn't give me a result that I want. It doesn't feel supportive and it doesn't feel like it wears well throughout the day. I don't like, I just don't actually like resonate with it. And so I was like, why is it called concealer? Like what a, and then like, I looked at other things and then, you know, it just gets worse from there. Corrector. And I'm like, I don't know this, none of this is working for me. So the concept around revealer and the concept around everything that we do, every product that I make is this way. It, whatever it does for your skin, when you put it on, whatever look it's giving you or whatever it is, whatever reason it is that you're putting it on your skin, it needs to be doing that same thing for your skin underneath it also over time. 
So in the example of revealer concealer, we put concealer on places where we want stronger coverage. So that can either be your under eye, um, where you have a darker circle or darkness or lines or whatever it is that you want stronger coverage there, or it can be on anywhere where you might want, you know, might, you might have blemishes or shadowing or anything of that nature. So it's kind of like these target areas and target areas would need concentrated active ingredients. So that's where I started from. It started with the active ingredient profile before it got to, you know, anything related to finish and what the makeup was going to work like. So I thought about it in a couple different ways. One was, are there any lines or anything or anything that feels dry around the eyes? We have a lot of dryness. We want like extreme hydration. Is there any deflation or shadowing? Those are places that we would want to be able to like boost and build collagen. Is there anything that's an active blemish that is basically an injury on your face that you would want to have soothed or, you know, be able to like get better faster? And so thinking about those three things was like what led me down the path of actives. And what's so unique about this entire process is like, there's now, you know, six to 10 active ingredients in Revealer. That's so many, like a normal product marketing person would say, that's insane. Like you don't need to have that many actives, like just pick two or three, like, please be targeted. And I didn't want that because I wanted it to do all of those things. And I was really excited about these ingredients. And when you get to control the formula, you can put as many and as much actives as you want. And I like to use a lot because I like it to really work. And sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. Gina, my mind is just blown right now because <laughs> I just like this revealer for the finish. Like I just liked it for the way <laughs> that it looked and like it, it gives this like really nice, like it's your skin but better vibe. I didn't actually even know there were active ingredients in it. So now I'm like even more yes. spot in. Okay, so continue. Sorry, I just had to yes. share that. <laughs> Whether you know it or not, it kind of leads you to like want to keep wearing it because it feels good. It feels like it's doing something good for your skin and it is. So then, you know, then we got, we got to the finish piece of it and how do we want it to wear? And I'm always looking for skin like, and skin is really unique. It's very supple. Like it's not wet and it's, so it's, you know, it's not like going to be so dewy. It's not because skin's not wet. Skin's not dry you know, so we don't want to have it like be crusty and dry. It's this thing in the middle. It's like a, you can't almost can't hold on to what the finish of skin is. It's very skin-like and it's really human. So that's like kind of, you know, that's where we were going with finish. And it takes, it takes a lot of overshooting the mark and then, you know, coming back like these big pendulum swings until we kind of land in this place that feels like you get that feeling. And I, I always know it, you know, when, when it's like, when it's it, Yeah. And I put it on, I like have this feeling and I'm like, Oh, that's it. And then I don't believe it for a little bit. And then I wear it really test it, you know, like test it in different kinds of environments. And that's how, that's how revealer was made. It's a beautiful product and I absolutely love it. I read that the idea for Kosas came from like a late night conversation you were having with your friend and and your cousin, and it all kind of came together. Can you tell us about like the origin story and how you decided, okay, I'm actually going to create a company. So that late night conversation was the first time I spoke it. So I had, I had the thought and I had the idea and it was like, I mean, I was just out of college at that time. So I was super young and being a child of like, you know, immigrants in the suburbs, like this is not something that seems possible. I had no reason to believe that I could ever do something like this. Also, it was pre- internet. Like it was like pre apps and iPhones and pre Instagram. So it was like, what was I going to do? Take out ads in Vogue? Like, that's just silly. Like that's not going to happen. What year was this around? This would have been 2004. And so that was the first time we were having this conversation and and this, this is my family. So we all have a little bit of fat. My cousin that I was talking to that night actually is a dentist and she doesn't feel passionately about that work, but you know, she's incredibly talented and smart and like did it. And the conversation was around, if you didn't have to do this thing that you feel like you have to do, what would you actually do? And she had said she would be an editor, a beauty editor actually. And little did we all know like how possible that could have been for her, you know, like that your dream job was just totally within reach. And that was when I said, I want to have my own beauty brand. And they looked at, I think it was the look on their faces for me. Like that just really ignited a challenge. (laughs) The feeling of, they looked like, 
like they felt so sorry for me that I had, you know, spoken this impossible thing. (laughs) Anyway, here I am now. (laughs) Yes, I love that. And the question you guys asked each other, I think is so profound. I wrote it down. So it's, if you didn't do this thing that you felt you had to do, what would you instead do? Yeah. Right. That's like a very powerful question for a lot of us to ask ourselves, because I think so often, whether it's um, the way that you choose to parent or the job that you work in or the relationships that you're in, oftentimes we do these things to placate others versus really honoring what we want ourselves. So that's a beautiful kind of origin story. Kosas is a clean beauty brand, right? That's a term that People feel so many different ways about that term. How do you feel about the term clean beauty? And regardless of the term, why is the ethos of it important to you? At the time that I actually created Kosas, there was no such term as clean, really. There were like a few brands that were kind of like certified organic, which like was a distinction, like that's a distinct certification. We weren't that. I didn't, I didn't want that. For me, I was like, let me take a look at how I actually live, which is balanced and intentional and, uh, you know, borrows from a lot of different modalities that like help my overall and general well-being. And so I went into formulation in this way too, because I approach a lot of things like that. It's in the way I exercise. It's in the way I eat. It's in like the things I surround myself in my home. And of course I was going to have that same kind of focus around the ingredients that I put into the products, but I was very focused on the makeup. I love makeup. That's like where I'm coming from. I love makeup. I love color. So I was really focused on the, on the performance. And in order to not have anyone question the performance, I just didn't mention anything about the ingredients. And I was like, here's the thing. The way that these clean ingredients are working is so much more comfortable, so much more beautiful, such a better payoff and all these things, it's making the makeup work better. So like why undercut it by telling people that it's these clean ingredients so that they, you know, instantly kind of don't trust the performance. And so I just didn't mention it. And we didn't have the designation clean yet anyway. What happened was like, I think it was very much a timing situation. The environment was ripe for it. Kosas, you know, launched and people started to read the ingredient lists and call us clean. And they would be like, Hey, wait, your ingredient, your ingredient lists are different. Like these look different. We haven't seen this before. And then slowly the retailers started to have um, conversation around clean, which was coming from the consumer starting to ask, you know, ask for these things. And here we are today. I love it. I think it's great. I know it's not defined and I think that's okay because I think there are so many different types of the, what I mentioned before about like eating, for example, there are so many different ways to eat. I don't need anything to be certified paleo or like certified, you know, like it just pick what you like and you have choice. And I think that's awesome. I totally agree. And it's so interesting that you didn't want to lead with the fact that it was clean. And you talk about your passion around color and color payoff, because I shared this with you already, but as a woman with dark skin with melanin, at the second I see like a clean organic cosmetics brand, I'm like, you know what? It's not for me. I've tried. I've before Kosas, I'm talking pre-Kosas. I'm talking about, you know, going into Whole Foods and like trying the makeup they had there and like putting on a blush with literally like invisible on my skin. Invisible. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> like sorry, this flower dye is not going to help my cheeks right now. Thank you. Exactly. And like they're talking about all these like, you know, natural pigments that they're putting in and I'm like, great, it doesn't show up on me. It's not going to work. And even when my skincare routine was super clean, I just, for makeup, before I discovered Kosas, I just could not, I could not find a makeup brand for a girl that like me who loves makeup. Like I'm a makeup lover. Like I love a makeup look. And I think a lot of people who are into really clean natural skincare are like, oh, I just wear sunscreen. And I'm like, that's great for you. Yeah. I'm like, good for you. (laughs) It's not my reality. I like- Love that for you. Love that for I you. I feel like you have like a you have a similar makeup look and love that I do. It's like a makeup look looks like makeup. It doesn't look like no makeup, but it doesn't look like extremely glam yes. makeup that's like yes. super layered and cakey. But it definitely looks like makeup. It's this in between kind of fresh makeup look that is what Kosas is. You know, that's what that's what I love too. Totally. Well, you've led me to my next point beautifully around creating makeup products for people that are not technically skilled like me. So we talked about a smoky eye earlier. I buy the Pat McGrath palettes and they're like almost like 
artifacts. They're like museum pieces. Yeah. <laughs> because I, uh, I can't blend the gold and a purple and a pink and it's a mess. I can't do it. Then I discovered your 10 second liquid eyeshadow. I discovered it at Fred Siegel in LA. They had a little beauty shop there. And I was looking at all of these different like eyeshadows and I was like, eh, it's too complicated. And they said, oh, if this is all too complicated, you should try this. And I put it on the back of my hand. The first color I picked was Element, which is like that beautiful mm. bronze color, the one I'm wearing now in my eyes. And I was like, wow. Like it was like an immediate like, wow. And I was like, well, I'm not going to try it on my eye in the store, but I saw the payoff on the back of my hand. I ran back to my hotel room and I was like, this is the eyeshadow that I have been looking for. I am so obsessed. I am so obsessed with that. I I felt that that's why I landed on that eyeshadow. It's like, I love the idea of eyeshadow, like beautiful, right? Like I love the idea of having color on my eyelid, but like with the Pat McGrath, like the only only reaction I've ever had when I've tried to wear it is, oh shit. <laughs> like immediately, <laughs> as soon as you put it on, you're like, oh no, oh no, what do I do? And you know, the brushes and the tools, like I still to this day have some of the brushes that I had when I was like 21 years old. And I, I probably have four brushes and none of them are eyeshadow brushes that, that con like that's, I'm not going to do that. What's going to end up happening is I'll wear eyeshadow twice a year. If that's how eyeshadow is going to be. And I don't want that. I want to wear eyeshadow every day a little bit. I love the the look of, you know, having a little color on the eyelid. So I love makeup. I love a makeup y look. I do not like anything that takes a long time. Yes. And I don't like anything that's uncomfortable. Yes. And and what is it like from a formulation perspective that makes it one last for so long, but two, this is the only eyeshadow that I'm able to use without having to use like a primer underneath to make the color really pop. Like the color pops without anything underneath. It's a few things. It's the types and the nature of the pearls and pigments that we're using. So we're, you know, these are like Italian pigments. They're like color masters and they're very sensorial over there. So there's something about the way the pigments actually like feel and go on, like the milling and the style of it, the pigment itself has a nature. So like color by color, shade by shade of pigment, they have a different feel and texture. So we start by kind of like really picking, like if we, if I know I want to make this like earthy, like ruddy earth tone, like element, then I get really specific about which pigments we're going to use in that. And then it's like a reverse engineer puzzle. Like I need this pigment to get on my lids and be solid, solidly on there. I don't know how deeply into this, like you no, want me to go. I'm, I'm I'll tell please you. keep going. <laughs> okay. So that means like whatever liquid we're using needs to eva- evaporate really quickly. And so we're almost like how, what evaporates thinner than water. And then, you know, we like, we kind of make that as the base and start to go from there. And then when things have a thinner quality than water, they have like a different surface tension. So they spread differently and it almost, it almost starts to blend itself. Like that's the kind of the feeling that you get with it. So every little thing, like what, how, how long does it take from the time you put it on your eye till the time it's dry, which is called playtime. Like how much playtime do we want it to have? How much pigment payoff do we want it to have? And then we, you know, we boost the actual amount of pigments and really keep it simple so like going down to the back to the basics of like having a great pigment and just what's needed in the base for function and that's it. So really, you know, it, it's almost like a food philosophy, like the best restaurants use the best ingredients and because they already taste great and they don't mess with it too much. And so it's that way. The formulas are simple. The 10 second eyeshadow formula is a very simple one. It's only what's needed. I love that. Switching gears a little bit. Over the summer, a lot of brands, including Kosas, made a point of standing up around BLM, around the Black Lives Matter movement, and kind of showing support for amplifying Black voices. I'm wondering how how do you plan to continue to support Black voices kind of throughout the year all the time as part of your kind of driving and leadership at Kosas? Yeah, so I will say that this is a topic I'm learning a lot about on a day daily basis, I never expected to, you know, really have to like understand how to lead here. And I'm glad that I am because it's very important to the values of the company. And the way that it's always showed for me is really through the makeup. It's really in like addressing skin tones. And like, that's very personal to me because I like, I have olive skin tone and it's kind of like 
never been catered to in big beauty before. So like the concept of having you feel like your skin tone is matched is like near and dear to my heart. So being a, you know, being a beauty brand, that's the first kind of place where it comes to life for us. And this conversation has really evolved into understanding how to be supportive in all areas of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that's like, you know, both internally and externally for us as a company, as a team, as a brand, you know, as a, as a voice in, in our community. Some of the things that we are able to do, like one of the things and how we make makeup. So since last June, we started to work with members of our community to put together a testing panel. It's basically like a testing cohort. And so, you know, people that are within our community that we really trust that will give us honest and critical feedback because that's what we need to have in order to be able to like do the, do the work. Right. So now we have this kind of group of 40 people and it's all paid work too. And they are helping us evaluate all of our existing shade ranges and working with us on all of the products that we develop from here forward. So the first thing that we did was we created shade extensions for our revealer concealer collection that was the first output. The second thing that we worked on together was this, the cloud set um, setting powder that just launched. Oh, I haven't tried that yet. I think you'll love it. It's like powder for people that don't like, had we not worked closely with the, not landed on the shade range that we landed on. And so I can see how there's like, you know, it's it, like, it just really illuminates that there's bias in creating shades unless we actually get down and dirty and do the work right. So, you know, that's been a big part of our work and big focus. And then the other areas that we're able to be effective on is what are we, what are we showcasing on our Instagram feed, which is a question of representation. So that's been a big focus for us. And we've been creating metrics around that. And that's one thing, but that's a representation question. But when it gets into equity and inclusion, where we can actually be effective is on what our compensation is for our paid partnerships and what's our what's our compensation level for everybody and how many partnerships do we do for black creators, white creators, and people of color and really understanding and tracking so that we can be honest about that. And then the third piece for us right now is in our PR and gifting strategies. So being able to monitor and track exactly how we're gifting important for us. This is, there's still, we still have a lot of work to do though. And I would say the next thing, what I've learned is I'm an expert in makeup and I'm not an expert here. So I've started to enlist the help of experts. Yes. And I think that's the best thing we could do is really be able to resource the initiatives and recruiting is next on my list because um, I think we have a ton of work to do on the recruiting front and really like what are our recruiting practices? How are we creating opportunity for black women, black young girls too. I think like, you know, that's like, it's something that part of what I love about running a company is that I have the ability to create jobs for people. And that feels personal to me because I've lived in a time when I didn't have a job and I know how hard that is and how heartbreaking that is. And so I love being able to create jobs for people and all the practices around recruiting and hiring are critical, but it's work in progress. You know, every day is a new day for us. That's great. I think that you're being really intentional about it and being thoughtful. I like. I love that you also said that you're bringing in experts, right? Because I think that's what really helps to make sure that your practices around equity and inclusion are going to be the most effective. So I love that. You also made an announcement. I think it was it's last year where you said that you're going to be like a stigma-free company where you partnered with the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. That one was also really personal to me because I have lived with people in, close to me in my life who've suffered from mental illness. I have my own experiences with it personally. Um, so when we heard about the pledge, which was actually initiated by Rare Beauty, I was like, absolutely, that's, I would love to participate in that. I also was suffering an extremely traumatic loss myself in October when that started. And oh, I'm sorry to hear. Thank you. What I've learned is by destigmatizing my own experience with mental health or mental illness, or, you know, which, which involves honestly talking about it with my team openly and giving them an opportunity to talk back. That's a very important step. Like that's what the point of destigmatizing is, you know, in addition to, of course, like 
providing resources and normalizing the concept of therapy. One thing that we're working on now is normalizing PTO, celebrating PTO, not just normalizing it, because I think there's a stigma around taking time off and you need it. I just figured that out because I just took three days off that I, after two years. And while I was off, I realized I am completely contributing to the problem. If I myself am not taking time off and I'm not talking about it, like how can I expect the rest of my team to do that? So that's next on the agenda as well. I love that. You sound like you're a great boss. I try. I think um, I have, I'm a person, you know, I, and I, I really do see like how much of it has to do with what I'm going through personally as well. Like sometimes I can show up and sometimes I can't. That's right. And it's hard. Yeah. I mean, we're all just trying to do the best we can on any given day. And I know you and I have even talked about that feeling of being so overwhelmed. And I'm, I experienced it now being a parent in a way that I never experienced it before. When like, I think back to me saying I was busy before I had a child. <laughs> I'm like, what were you busy doing watching Netflix? What, what was, what, you know, yeah. you had all this free time. What were you ever stressed about? And now I'm, I'm like six months into being a mom and it's just, it's totally different. And some days it can get really overwhelming. And I know you're a parent Isn't as well. It? I am. I, my thing was, I, I couldn't believe I had ever said I'm tired. Right. But of course you were, you know, cause that's like the experience that you were having at the time. Like I was tired. I'm just now I'm a new level of tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Okay. I need to ask you a little bit about your kind of favorite beauty products, favorite skincare stuff. So, but before we go into your, what you're currently using and loving, what's the closest product that you're most proud of? If you could only pick one. It ha- I know it's, I have, it's, re- it's revealer concealer. It really just is. Like it lights up everything for me. It's like the it's, whole meter. It's like, I just, my mom actually just bought it um, and she's obsessed as well. So I love like, that. How does she feel about the, how does she feel about the yellow cap? Just out of curiosity. Oh, she, she did not mention anything about the yellow cap at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, it feels very cool and young and trendy. Like I like it. Um, is that something that you're like having second thoughts about? No, not at all. Yellow is my favorite color. I just like, it's so, I did it because I love it. Yeah. I love the end, it. you know, like, and that's why. And so I never know how people react to it. I like it. Thank you. So have you made big beauty mistakes in your life? Like, do you have like looking back, like a big beauty regret of yours? Literally anytime I've cut my hair, mm-hmm. it's been a huge mistake. I mean, the bangs and the hair cutting, which sucks because I actually think like short hair is so cute. It just does not look good on me. I feel that way about um, anytime I've kind of done like any extreme hair color as well. Like when I deviate too far from like what, you know, what I came with, (laughs) it's a mistake. (laughs) So have you like gone blonde before? Yes. I was so totally blonde, like root to tip blonde. I have been. I had a lot of fun. Like it was true about the fun (laughs) thing. (laughs) but not something you would do again. Never again. Fair enough. Okay. What are your favorite beauty products right now? And I'm going to ask you to pick things that aren't in the Costas category. So like it could be favorite like body care, skincare, fragrance, but like what, what three things are you loving right now? So my favorite, I have a bunch of favorites from this brand called Holy Frog. I don't know if you've ever tried it. No. They have my favorite, one of my favorite, like vitamin C powder cleansers. And they have this overnight acid treatment that I'm, that I love. Another favorite of mine is from a brand called Naturium that makes this plant ceramide, like this rich plant ceramide cream. It's like a rich cream in a jar, like La Mer, except it's $25 and you can buy it at Target. What is your skin type? Are you dry, oily? Oily, acne prone, oily, acne prone. Okay. And, and this is like a really nice moisturizer for oily, acne prone skin. Yes. It's a beautiful, like ingredient list is gorgeous. Like I can't, I can't believe it. I feel like I'm like, I'm in on this tip that like this incredibly beautiful moisturizer is only $25. So that one is a favorite. Anything else that you love? Hair, fragrance. Hair. I recently discovered this thing called an air dry styler from this brand called Odell or Adele. I can't, I don't know the brand that well, but I also got it. I picked it up at Target. Um, it's an air dry styler and it's like, I don't even know what it is because it's like this gel texture and it comes out, but it doesn't leave any kind of like feeling in my hair that so, but I love that. Cause it like, 
anything that reduces my getting ready time I'm into. Yes. Do you think you'll ever go into skincare, into hair care? Like, do you see the empire expanding into other areas? Honestly, I'm so interested in everything. Like I wish I could make like socks and blankets and sweatpants and stuff too. So (laughs) I'm just waiting for someone to green light it. Oh, my other favorite thing in the world, I forgot to mention, I love this and I use it all the time is the Briogeo Don't Despair Repair Hair Mask. Ah. Love that product. It's so gorgeous. You're you're my second guest this month that has brought up this hair mask. It's amazing. The shampoo's amazing. Like it's all part of the same collection and... I love it. Yeah, it is. It is really nice and it smells good, um, but it's, it is pricey. And I feel like I use a lot of conditioner with my like hair. I like really pile it on and like, I'll use it once and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's not enough. Um, <laughs> but yes, I, I think those are great products. We did talk a lot about the importance of um, just checking in with yourself from like a mental well-being perspective. You're a big proponent of therapy, which I think is so important. Are there other things you do for your kind of mental health and well-being? Like, do you meditate? Do are you into like a yoga practice? What do you do to kind of take care of yourself from a well-being perspective? I exercise definitely, and for years I did just yoga, and that was really helpful. More recently, in the last couple of years, I started to do. Like I was like, I'm going to do something that's totally not me. I'm going to start like weightlifting. And that has been more impactful on my mental health than yoga for some reason. I think, yeah, it's because like, you know, there's so much focus and there's, it's almost like a pain. It's hard. It's really hard. And so I have to get so um, meditative in it. And like, I do things to get myself through the workout. Like I count or um, like I count in my head or I, I, you know, I do something very repetitive in my mind that helps me get through. And I think that actually like ends up becoming an hour. That's totally for me. I can't have another thought. I can't do another thing while that's happening. And those moments are the ones like where you actually have that like restorative brain moment. That's the one that feels really impactful to me. That's great. I want to, I want to get more into weightlifting. I, you posted a picture in a bikini, like a hot pink bikini and your body is so amazing. Like when oh you gosh, uploaded that, you. I was like, oh my God, did not know that was all going on under the clothes. Like you have an incredible body. And I'm now in a situation where like I'm, you know, I'm six months postpartum and my body is just like not where I want it to be. And I've just decided I'm on week two of working with a personal trainer where I'm like, I really want to get back in shape. And I know your daughter's older, but did you have to deal with like, getting into shape after you gave birth and like any, any tips for me? Cause I'm like trying to figure it all out now. Yes. So she's seven years old. And like, I feel like I'm now, I now feel strong. And I do think with exercise, it's all about um, consistency and like years. It's like today's the, the rest of my, the first day of the rest of my life. I'm going to dedicate myself to this for the whole rest of my life. It was so hard in the beginning and I was in pretty good shape before I had my daughter. Yeah, after, same. Yeah, after it was like, I could not access my strength. Like I could not. I'm so happy to hear this because this <laughs> is how I feel. I'm like, I used to work out five times a week and yeah. do bar and Pilates and all this stuff. And now I'm like, I can't even do a pushup. What happened? Nothing, right? Nothing. But you're starting. So like, that's, I mean, you're starting way, like, way before I did. So that's awesome. Six months. I think it's, you know what, like, however, however you feel good and comfortable for me, I think like I'm super petite and just like doing regular life stuff. And when you have a kid, there's a lot of schlepping. So like all the carrying this and carrying that and picking them up and buckling them in and all of those like very taxing things. Like I want to be strong for those so that they don't feel as taxing. And like, that's my motivation. And in those beginning, like in those early days, when there's no strength, especially in your midsection, because it was just stretched out like this big, you know, and it's like separated, like the muscles are separated. Do you feel that? Yeah. They go, they will go, they will go back. Okay. Thank you for, for that reassuring pep talk. And hopefully soon I can look the way you do in a bikini. So when did I post a picture in a hot pink bikini? I'm like, it it was okay. To be fair, it was for breast cancer awareness. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. It It wasn't, it, it, Oh, it was a bra and underwear. Okay, sorry. In my mind, it was a bikini. It was for breast cancer awareness. So it wasn't like totally gratuitous, even though it totally could have been and I would have had, had no judgment. <laughs> I know. But it was for breast cancer awareness. 
but yeah, I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Didn't know this was going on with Sheena. So um, <laughs> we're, at the, we're at the final question that I ask all of my guests. And I'm so curious for what your answer is. And the question is, when do you feel most beautiful? When I am relaxed, like by far, I feel like I look totally different. It's all that like holding and tightness. And when it melts away, which is very rare, <laughs> this is why PTO is important just to bring it back to that. That's when I feel the most beautiful by far. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing and for, for being on the podcast. I um, will continue to be like the biggest fan, but I really appreciated just getting to know you better in your story. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was so great. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts, not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Okay. I hope you guys loved that conversation. We have a great listener question today. This is from Margot, And I love this question because it really made me dive deep and do some research. So, hey, Brooke and Naked Beauty team. I love that she said Naked Beauty team as if there's a team. I'm very flattered by that, but it's just me. So hope you're doing well as well as possible and staying hydrated and moisturized. I'm a newish listener and I've taken inspiration from your do-it-yourself beauty product enthusiasm. I wanted to make my own face oil. Love that. So I took your advice and looked at the ingredient list of my current favorite face oil, the St. Jane Luxury CBD Beauty Serum. Okay, side note, I love this facial oil. It's very good. Okay, the first ingredient was sunflower seed oil, a classic. And then there were no CBD actives until all the way down on the ingredient list. I know that the ingredient list doesn't necessarily tell the whole story, but I was a little miffed that I'd probably been overpaying for an oil that was mostly just a seed oil with a drop of CBD in a lot of marketing. Am I just a servant to the CBD hype machine in the beauty industrial complex? <laughs> Existential crisis aside, I wondered if you might have any good advice on how or if I should even try to make my own CBD face oil. If there is, maybe a recipe that you know works. Am I getting any real benefit from a CBD oil where there seems to be very little actual CBD in it? Should I save my time and money and just use straight up sunflower seed-based oil instead? Thank you and happy spring. Margo, P.S. Your recent episode with Topicals co-founder Alamide was my favorite yet. Listening to it felt like I was part of an elevated coffee chat with friends. It was joyful in a way that felt very pre-pandemic. Thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Anytime you guys listen to this podcast and it feels like you're just hanging out with friends, that's my sweet spot. That's what makes me so happy to hear. Okay. So I love this question because CBD oil is very confusing, but I want to talk to you, Margo, a little bit about hemp oil. So hemp oil has those same anti-inflammatory properties as CBD oil. So you could do a really interesting sunflower seed oil and hemp oil mix for your facial oil. Okay, so when it comes to the St. Jane Luxury Beauty Face Serum, which I love, it's $125. I just wanted to quickly look at the ingredients. So you're absolutely right, Margot. Sunflower seed oil is the top ingredient. Then they have a shea nut butter, and then they have pomegranate seed extract. And pomegranate seed extract is actually so good for your skin. That's a great oil to include in your arsenal if you like to make your own products like I do, followed by grapeseed oil. And then they have the full spectrum CBD right after that grapeseed oil, followed by rosehip, and then a ton of other things. Now, they have vitamin E, they've got candula, they've got some frankincense, geranium, jojoba. 
CBD is pretty high up on the list, I will say. It's the one, two, three, four. It's the fifth ingredient in maybe 20 ingredients, which is pretty good. They've also got sandalwood oil. There, There's a lot that goes into this oil. So I don't want to say if you just use sunflower seed oil, you'll you'll have like the perfect dupe. I do, though, want to give you some ideas for what you could use to kind of create a similar oil at home. Getting that pomegranate seed oil is going to be essential, but I also want to talk about hemp seed oil a little bit. Okay, so hemp oil is great for dryness, and that has been clinically proven to reduce dryness and dehydration in skin. It's also really good for acne and acne scars. It's also good for any inflammatory skin condition. So when you think about CBD and the benefits of CBD for your skin, which I'm with you, like I feel like CBD has been everywhere, but CBD is really just good for anti-inflammation. Hemp oil has also been proven to help with eczema, psoriasis, any kind of like acne and rosacea. So I think hemp oil could be an interesting substitute here. Now, I need to talk a little bit about the difference between hemp oil and CBD oil. Hemp oil has little to no CBD content. Hemp oil is made by cold pressing the hemp seeds into an omega rich oil. CBD is made by extracting the compound CBD from the leaves, flowers, and stalks of a hemp plant. Hemp oil and CBD oil are slightly different, but I do think hemp oil is really great for your skin. Now you can buy pure CBD oil and include that into your skincare products, but I don't think you actually need to do that. I think that hemp oil is really great for reducing inflammation and kind of gives a lot of the same benefits. Okay, Margo, thank you so much for listening. And thank you all for listening. I will be back next week with a new episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 